What kind of data stack is the right one for my company? This is, I would say, the major question that I get from potential new clients I work with. And I have to say, this is one of the hardest questions to answer um, because I can list 100 possibilities to do that. And what we do is like we sit down, collect use cases, learn a bit about what kind of team they have, um, what kind of resources they have, what kind of knowledge they have. And then we were trying to figure out what's the best setup. And we get more and more possibilities to find something like that. And the talk about the modern data stack is always about that you have plenty of different kind of tools that do a specific thing and you just change them together to do magic. And so best of breed is basically the, I would say the major theme when people talk about the modern data stack. So you don't really, uh, you just pick the right tool for a specific kind of task. And because this tool focused just on this task, you get perfect quality. One thing that we forget is like, this chaining together is usually hard work. And so it's not a huge surprise that we see new platforms coming up who help us with that. And this is Welt. Welt is a new startup out of Copenhagen, and they take some parts of the modern data stack or basically on, of data stacks at all and make them accessible for companies who maybe don't have the time, the resources, the knowledge, and sometimes also like maybe not the value to do this on their own. Because in the end, when it comes to data, there's one thing which is basically the most important thing. And this is developing and delivering value as quick as possible. Data doesn't immediately generate value. And so you always have to translate it into other business actions. And the quicker you can deliver some kind of data to do this, the better. And if you want to build something on your own, it's totally fine, but it might take longer. And so these kind of platforms like Wells um, speed up things because they offer to integrate data into still your database and then to add some kind of data model on top within Wells and then um, create maybe some data that you want to use in marketing and then use Weld to pipe it back into the marketing platforms. So this might be a lot quicker if you do this in an integrated platform. And the nice thing is it still runs on your infrastructure. But there's one thing that I just learned from this episode that is a true benefit of these kind of platforms that other platforms like the best of breed platforms hardly can give you. And this is basically the meta layer. So the meta layer is like this information that get from where you integrate the data, where you model the data, when you push the data out, you have some information that is super cool if you know how it flows through the whole system. Because um, you immediately know when something breaks, where it breaks. You immediately know what kind of data you would expect at the end because you know how you integrated it and how you model it. 
So you know a lot of things that usually, if you do this with different kind of tools, you always have to transfer between these tools. And some tools do this by a very good integration, but this is mostly like the rare case. And these platform tools have this powerful meta layer because they know the whole journey of the data. And they know a lot of more stuff. They know with what kind of systems you're interact. And so they can tell you a lot more how your data works and how your data is not working, how, what, how much your data maybe costs and so on. And I think this is super powerful. This is like why I think these kind of platforms are an interesting take for companies to start out with data. And Jonas, who joined me today, can explain this and tell this a lot better because, I mean, he spent, he and his team spent uh, two, three years now to really figuring out how to create this kind of value. And this is why I really like this kind of episode, because for me, it was like, I went in with some kind of idea, what kind of value you can get out of it, but ended up with a much, much broader picture why and how it can deliver value to you. And so I hope you enjoy that. It's a very interesting talk. And so enjoy uh, this journey into how to build a data stack. The time when analytics was simply Google Analytics is over now. Today you can build your analytics stack out of over 50 different tools and new ones are coming in every month. Each of them has its benefits but also limitations. Finding the right analytics stack has become quite a complex task that includes decisions about architecture, use cases, data ownership, performance, and lastly, legal aspects. This podcast tries to give you more context about the different options you have. By talking to leading people from different analytics companies, I am trying to give you insights about the tools, the strategies, and the learnings that can help you set up a good analytics stack. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Analytics Stack. And today I'd like to welcome uh, Jonas. Uh, Jonas, great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, so maybe just, just to let us start quickly a little bit about you. So what is your background? What are you doing right now? And what maybe is well doing so that we can get at least kind of idea. So we will dive in the second, uh, in the, like what your company is doing a little bit more, but like we have a short introduction that we know what we're talking about today. Yeah, sure. So um, right now I'm uh, the CEO and uh, co-founder of uh, Weld uh, Technologies. Um, before uh, before starting Weld, I was uh, heading up um, a BI and a data team, uh, as well as a RevOps team, actually in uh, in a fintech uh, company called Pleo. Um, I was working there for uh, a couple of years. Before that, I was doing uh, consulting in uh, in Ernst and Young, also working with uh, with data and tech and. Uh, IT transformations, more so in, in big, big enterprise companies and within the financial sector. Um, and then I also have a, uh, I have some experience working in, uh, in telco, uh, but, and, and again, within, uh, within data and, uh, and analytics, I have a financial background, but I've always worked with, uh, with, with data, which is my, my big passion, you can say. <laughs> That's great. And so maybe um, what I'm trying 
usually like in the beginnings, like because this podcast started out of um, getting people to know more alternatives beyond Google Analytics, which at least until today is some kind of a standard thing and in, in let's say data or where people start out with some kind of data. I think it might change in the next five years, but uh, until now it was like that. And so what I'm trying, my initial question is often like, can you put what you're doing at Weld in context for people knowing what Google Analytics is doing? So which might be a little bit difficult more in your case, but I think you will find a way. Yeah, so I think that one of the things I've learned over the course of, of my career working with data uh, is, is, is how hard it, it actually is just getting like, you know, si simple metrics uh, out, of, uh, out of your business, like aligning on those metrics, um, defining those metrics, but also just collecting the data that you need in order for you to actually model uh, your data. And, and so I, I think that you, you can sort of look at, at Weld as a platform where you, c you have all your data operations just in one tool, which means that you can uh, gather your data from all the different tools you have into, into one place, one data warehouse, for example. You can then model the data. You can work with the data. Uh, you could also uh, activate the data, which means that you can uh, push the data back into the different platforms you're working with. Um, could also be be Google, uh, for example. And then you can also visualize the data, not in our app uh, in itself. Uh, you would you would then do that in in a BI tool of uh, of your choosing. So so Weld is sort of a, a tool that 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 stitches all these different components together that you need to, to, to become data-driven. I think this is also like quite an interesting thing because like, especially like people who come in really like from this classic analytics world. So for them, it was like stuff happening on some kind of website. And then uh, the ones who were driving it then discovered, okay, there's a world outside. So maybe for example, in e-commerce cases, you always had this, maybe uh, people are returning stuff. So we might have to cover this as well, or like the classic example. And I think this is also like the stuff that you already support is like, yeah, so we do some offline stuff. So, um, I mean, let's maybe, for example, we, we have an offering where the final conversion doesn't happen on any kind of front end. So maybe it happens in a CRM where someone clicks a button and says, okay, this is happening. And so this was always like the limitation to how to get the staff back into some kind of systems. And so I think this, how, how could you manage this right now in, in Weld when you have these kind of use cases? Yeah, actually, I also remember in, in, in my previous job, uh, I remember the, the marketing team was, uh, was working in, in Google Analytics uh, for, for quite a while while I was setting up the modern data stack with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Google BigQuery, Metabase, DPT, Fivetran, Census, um, and all mm -hmm. these uh, other great tools that are out there. Um, and they actually kept uh, using Google Analytics for quite some time, but then Eventually, I also convinced uh, the team that couldn't it be cool if you could actually combine the data from, from the website with data from the product, with data from the CRM, and, and you have this single source of truth that, that actually allows you to do some much more like 
complex modeling, but also getting insights that you would otherwise uh, never have. Not mm -hmm. to speak of the the sometimes very manual processes that you also have in uh, in a tool like uh, like Google Analytics. Where I do want to admit that if your company is not that big um, and 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 you don't have like many different teams and departments, well, then sometimes, and that's also what we see in the market, it's it it might be okay to run your business in Google Analytics and Google Sheets for some time because you can, in a matter of hours, you could probably get a full end-to-end -end overview and the manual labor is not uh, that significant. Uh, but, but that being said, I always advise companies to start early because it's always good to have a solid foundation to build on no matter the size you are. That's quite interesting. So especially like, I think this is always like, also like a question where most of the people are really struggling. So how to start with data? I mean, like, as you said, so I think most of them already have some kind of, let's say they introduce some kind of tool. I mean, this is often like the approach that what we humans do. So we have a problem, we introduce a tool and then um, we then try to figure out how to apply it in the best way. So, um, and I see this question always coming up, like also like with, for example, when we, when we look at startups, so um, as a startup, how should you start with data? And so, and, and I'm always like in between the same uh, things that you already mentioned. It's like, well, yeah, you can just start with something, let's say maybe Google or beyond like Amplitude Mixpanel or so, or maybe you can, then they are like, but we heard about this modern data stack thing. So it doesn't maybe make sense to invest in these kind of things. So what are your, your learnings and, uh, and like experiences about, okay, which path you should take, even like when you look at, your business a startup that have ambitious goals and of course like data plays an important role so what kind of ways are good ways to approach that i i think that um it, it depends a little bit also on the type of business you are where um i've seen even like very small e-commerces having e-commerces for example having a very uh, significant marketing budget um, where in these types of situations, I would say, even though you're small, it's probably a good idea to, to really make sure you have all your fundamentals in place when it comes to, to your data stack. Um, and then, then there are maybe other companies that, that don't have that big of a, a, a budget, uh, both on, on marketing, on the marketing side, but also more broadly speaking. But my general advice would be to always um, adopt a data warehouse, no matter the size you are, uh, because modern data warehouses, modern cloud data warehouses like Snowflake and Google BigQuery and Redshift and um, Microsoft uh, Azure Synapse and, and, and the likes, they are very affordable and, and they also scale with consumption, right? So, so, so I don't really think, I don't think there's any excuse, no matter the size you are, for not having a data warehouse really. I think then the big question is when do you then invest into all the other tools that sort of, you know, comes along with it in 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 the sense that you you need an ETL to to pipe your data into the data warehouse. You need a reverse ETL to to push your data from the data warehouse back into your ad platforms, for example, and so forth. And there it's 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 a matter of do you have the resources internally to to uh, to build. Uh, these features that could make sense if you are a very small company still because you maybe you only have like three or four tools so it's not that many pipelines you need to build 
Um, but if you are a larger business, well, then maybe it, it's actually a better business case for you to actually buy these tools, the classic build versus buy. Uh, I would see, say what I see the most is still that there are more often than not relatively cheap options for each category of tools. So you would always have the option to, you, you know, you could buy the premium tool, which is probably really, really expensive. But if you are more on a budget, you can also buy uh, or, or, or even use a uh, an open source uh, platform supported by uh, by your engineering team, as an example. I think this is like always like the, also like the interesting part is like so most companies. So I think um, for startups now it's quite natural that I would say ninety percent start with at least some kind of development team now. So because like. I think we recognize tech is important. I mean, even there are startup cases where it's not so essential. It's just a side thing, but still, um, they invest into this. So we don't really have to explain anymore why you need developers. And the interesting thing is like with, with data, I think it's just starting that people start to understand this might be an essential part. But so, um, if you, if you really try to do this, so let's say you, you have your data in a data warehouse or like you use something like Weld. So what, what kind of people you need, um, maybe the one or two persons in the beginning to, to create this first success stuff, which in the end, like, is always like the essential thing that you can show. Okay. Actually, this team brings some kind of value to the company. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think that w one of the two main problems that we sort of saw in the market when we started Weld was one, the barrier to entry has become too high. It, it's simply too complex these days to set up a modern data stack because many companies don't know where to start. And even if they have, they do have an engineering team most likely in the beginning, but, but even the engineering team would find it pretty hard to know exactly where to begin. Um, and when they start the journey, it can take months, sometimes years before you actually get to a place where where everything is is sort of working end to end and you get real business value out of your data stack. Um, not to mention the cost side of it as well that you coming back to come back to that in a second in terms of the the team you also need to hire on top of that. Um, and the second thing is we actually also believe there is a, a lack a shortage of really, really good data analysts. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's like, I've always um, struggled to find great data analysts. And I, I think that is partly also because it is more hard than it has ever been before to actually model and get value out of the data. And, and, and why is that? Well, first of all, it's because there is an explosion in the number of SaaS tools and apps that companies use. So you don't have one ad platform, you have 10 and you, and you know, you have a CRM and a support tool and, uh, you know, uh, you, you have the whole like, like stack within data, you have, you know, tracking tools, um, HR tools, finance tools, and you could just, and the list just goes on and you even have tools just for booking, like Calendly, for example, you have these very, very niche tools just for one specific use case, right? I think in my previous job, we probably have above like 100 SaaS tool, which was also 
at the time where I realized, okay, now we can't build the data pipelines ourselves anymore because I would need 10 data engineers to do that. And that that's not really like scalable in any way. So, 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 so but, but, but at the same time, I also think you also need the business context in order to create value. And I think that's something that most companies, especially startups, um, and maybe the more modern companies where you have a sort of more, um, the data org is potentially more driven from the engineering side, which uh, can, can work great. But the problem is just that it's business value that, you know, it, it all ends with business value. And I think that sometimes you start building this modern data stack and you invest in all these tools, you hire all these data engineers, and you sort of forget why you started in the first place, because it always comes down to, is the platform working? Are the pipelines working? You know, uh, like what, what's the errors? And then of course that's also important, but, but that just suddenly becomes the goal instead of, okay, how did we improve our, our marketing uh, performance because of the new data models we have, or did we improve our sales or conversions or whatever it might be? So, so that's, that's something I, I, I see a lot and really great data analysts, they can sort of do both. Like they can, they both have like the ability to dive into the business and understand the business and understand the CEO's needs and the CFO's needs and, uh, um, you know, the, the commercial leaders and so forth, uh, could also be within product analytics, of course, and they can also model the data at the same time, but that is just harder than ever before, because imagine, I remember the first data model. I created in, 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 in like the, the startup environment, I had to combine data from maybe 50 different tools. Like imagine the, the query you would need just to do that. And that's something that has changed, uh, at, the, at least the way I see it. Uh, no, I think this is a really great point because especially the thing with, uh, with the business context is, at the moment, a lot in my head because I see the same thing that you just described. I can remember sitting in meetings uh, with 12 people discussing how we do a data setup and so on. And I asked the question, okay, at which point do you earn money? And no one had an answer. So they're like, but at some point you have to make a revenue because for them it was like, oh yeah, we do this and then we have this funnel and then we do this and then we do activation. And so and like, and at what point do you do money? Yeah, so... I don't know. So maybe people make a contract or I don't know, this is not happening at our side. So it's happened somewhere in the sales team. And so we, we are just providing stuff before. And this, this was quite interesting to really see, okay, um, there's definitely a disconnect and, and, and maybe also like happening because you said like the, the data engineering playground is so, so much fun, uh, to, to do stuff that you sometimes even forget about, um, okay, actually what comes in the end, but it's an interesting point with the data analyst, because I sometimes forget this as well. So like that in the end, you, you need these people who, who building this kind of bridges. Um, so to, to, to get the kind of stuff that gets delivered by data at some point and then bring them in, into action. So especially just as you mentioned, so you also have some background in, in revenue ops and so on. So what, what are I don't know, good use cases where you can really start to say, okay, maybe this is a good use case to, to take some data and then to bring it into life and to bring it into, into your, um, actually company decisions or business decisions to make stuff better, which in the end, everyone wants to end up, but it's really hard to get there. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's actually also one of the reasons why that every time we onboard a new company to Weld, the first thing we do is actually to have a, a we host a metric workshop because we want to make sure that the metrics are aligned and defined both from a business perspective, but also from a, a technical um, perspective. And it's, it, it sounds like, it sounds like a very trivial thing, but you would be surprised if, if you go out and ask like 10 random companies, how many of those companies would then have very clearly defined metrics in one repository um, where you have owners on, on each metric and everyone understands exactly how you calculate an active user or a churned user or, um, you know, what is upsell, what is downsell and all these very basic metrics, which is sometimes also what I find to be quite surprising is that we live in a world now where we talk a lot about machine learning and AI and all these, you know, fancy new tech uh, technologies. And there's definitely a big movement towards that. And I think that is, uh, that's really, really exciting. But uh, at the same time, I also believe and can see that companies have much more basic problems. Uh, and 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 they need to fix those problems first before they can actually you know transition into uh, doing AI and machine learning, which is also why I think and I do actually think that companies that will succeed in the future will also be the companies that will succeed with with data. So I think it's really really important that every company you know that they have an active data strategy and that it's also high on uh, on on their priorities. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, coming back to a, a little bit, like how, how do you get value and, and, and the roles you need, I, I think it's very, very important that the data team also in the context of RevOps, that you have a very business led data function. And, and it's not that you can't have both, like you can have, like, for example, you could have your data engineering team as as one team, and then you could you would have a BI team as another team, and they'll sort of be within the same domain. But you would have the data analysts working really close with the key stakeholders and being out in the business, measuring themselves, not on to the extent of of you know building how good you are at building the the data infrastructure, but there you would measure the team on you know what 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 is the insights and the impact they create in the business because. When we started, well, that was really the driving force. We just felt that, you know, companies get way, way, way too little value out of their data and they invest so much. And it's such a shame because it could be, you know, a, a gold mine potentially, right, that you are sitting on, on top of. Well, that's a, that's a great point because um, I really would like to learn a little bit more um why you started weld and so and how you see for example because you already described i mean you can build your own modern data stack with the, i don't know 20 tools that you can chain together in some kind of way but um so but you have a i mean you cover same functionality but you have a little bit of different approach so is this also like some kind of the reasons why why you did this so because to say okay um we want to improve like time to value or so what were the, like the initial ideas when you started out? Yeah. So, so I think having these two, um, uh, problem 
problems in mind with the lack of data analysts and, and the barrier to entry is too high, we were sort of thinking, okay, what also based on our own experience in, in setting up uh, uh, both like building it from scratch, like the modern data stack with, with in-house engineering, but also eventually switching to, uh, to, to different tools that we bought. Um, we, we could sort of see that there was, there, there was a couple of problems, right? I think, I th and, and before diving into that, I think also it's important to understand that the way we and I see um, uh, value or the way I would describe value would be when, when you have the data platform, you know, you have the modern data stack, I would say then you are 20% of the way to become data driven because now the real work begins and that's, you know, figuring out why do the revenue never like matches match between marketing, sales and finance. Why is that? They can never ag agree. Well, that's because, you know, there are processes, there's things like data quality, data stewardship. Um, so, so, so I think that's, that's, that's the core. How can we tackle those 80%? Because we believe that most companies right now are looking at those 20%, which doesn't really get you um, as near as, as, uh, as, uh, as you could uh, be to, to the end goal. So, so that's, that's how we think about it. And, and then we thought, okay, what do we need? Well, let's get those 20% out of the way real quick. So how do we do that? We just build all the features in one platform because then at least you don't have to, to spend, like you don't risk going into this. Why did we, did we even start building uh, this modern data stack in the first place? Um, and, and you can sort of just focus on value immediately focus on defining your metrics, focus on aligning the business, focusing on organizing your business, hiring the right people, focusing on making sure that the whole like operations around keeping your metrics up to date, keeping them trustworthy, right? Uh, which is also why we have a metric store, for example. So we also try to build features in our product that can actually, you know, um, support the, the process of, of getting to value. It could also be things like, data templates or yeah, everything we can do to sort of just focus on, on, on those 80%. It doesn't mean that we are not proud of our platform and we are not proud of our, um, you know, the, the more core features to, uh, to, to our platform. Um, but at the same time, we see that more as a prerequisite to, to, to what we're really passionate about, which is driving value for, for our customers. Yeah, what, what I really like uh, about your platform is like, I mean, it has a lot of, let's say it takes some stuff away that, uh, especially like for companies who, who need to set this up because they never have set it up before, uh, can be really complicated. I mean, I, I did plenty of modern data stack setups. So for me, like the first 20% usually are okay, depending on what kind of sources you have to integrate. Because integration is still like, like kind of the hard part. Um, but like what I saw in Wealth is, pretty simple to just you you select some kind of data source that you have you integrate them what i really like is like that you don't really have a totally enclosed system so you still like um i hook up my own bigquery instance and so i get the data there so i i can use a lot of use cases within well but i can still do maybe some stuff or analyzes on my own because like the data is still in my place so what what was the or what was the thinking about this kind of decision because i know some let's say kind of similar platforms or they often tend to be really like an enclosed unit so that you really do everything in that. So, but I think you had some kind of ideas that you said, okay, now we have also like some open parts where, where maybe it's, it's open up to, to other things. 
Yeah, I, I think our our approach to to how we we build the product has been very um, modular at at its core still. So so we are not we don't want we want to give flexibility um, and we want to make sure that that our customers can use the the tools of their liking or if they have something they have built themselves internally. Um, so it. Data warehousing and and BI tool, as mentioned, is not something that that we are building, at least not for the time being. I would not say that we would never do something like that for maybe the the smaller companies who really just want to. Like you can actually also now in our product um, uh, spin up both like a uh, a Google BigQuery instance uh, immediately on on our account, and and we're also working on. On some of the same features with uh, with with a BI tool, but but the whole idea for us is again, what whatever fits the customers we are working with best, um, and if that means that they want to use, you know, this for data warehousing, this for BI, maybe another tool for ETL or for modeling or whatever, like we we can we can click that in, um, and. And and I think that's important that you have that flexibility because you don't want to you don't want to uh, to to force yourself force every feature onto one one platform. Even though I do want to say that one of the key um, benefits by having it in one platform, which was also what I saw um, when when setting up uh, the mod data stack previously, is that. These tools are not necessarily very well integrated. So you would have the ETL tool piping your data. Well, then, then when that would a job, as an example, would end, you would have your model tool could be a tool like DBT or another tool, sort of you know taking that data, model the data. You would have your reverse ETL, but that whole like orchestration and observability and lineage. Like I, I sometimes you know when, when I did data models in the past, I would just be like, "Why does this take like two days for me to get just a basic like model?" And that's because you know there is like this process where you know the ETL job needs to run the model job, the reverse ETL, and maybe you have some quality checks in between. I don't know. And then I was just like, "Okay, but this sounds like something I did in the two thousands. You know, when you had like these big batch." Jobs. I thought we were sort of in a world now where we could do that a bit more efficiently because value is also getting real-time data and getting data as fast as, as as you can, right? So, so I think one of one of the cool things when you have it all in one platform is that we know everything about data in our platform. We know exactly which models are using it, which which dashboards, which ETL jobs, which reverse ETL jobs. So, so, so imagine that. You have any given dashboard, and I can tell you exactly how those metrics, how healthy they are from a quality lineage, you know, perspective. I can tell you exactly where where it broke or where where it failed, which is something that I know, especially a big large like larger companies or larger startups are, are struggling with. And then, of course, you can implement other tools and build on top of your stack, but it just becomes. A very, a very, very complex uh, endeavor for sure.
No, 100%. And I think this is always like the, the under, underestimated part. I mean, everyone is really, uh, loves to join the best of breed party because it, it's, it's like an invitation. So you can go shopping for 20 tools. I mean, everyone loves to go shopping for 20 tools. But like, I mean, it's always like this, like on the one hand, you really have this flexible, okay, we can use, I don't know, 100 different kind of tools. But what you always forget is like the integration part in between, which is like the hard part in, in these kind of setups. And I, I remember like the kind of effort in the really good setups that I was working on with um, really went in this overlaying architecture to just set. So like that you have an orchestration layer, that you have a monitoring layer, that was really making sure. But um, as you said, so everything was disconnected. And so you always have to make sure that it stays connected some time that you figure out where some disconnection happening and which really took a lot of time and effort to do. And I can definitely see the benefit of Basically, you are owning the meta layer. And so owning the meta layer above all the different kind of stuff, I think is super powerful. And I think this is also like something that um, at the moment, maybe, maybe I think it will get a lot more value uh, in, in the next years, potentially, because I think people realize what comes out of it. And um, and then it will be interesting. And it's also like maybe one thing... Where, I want to hear your thoughts about it. It's like you, you mentioned the, the metrics layer. And I mean, metrics layer got some hype uh, in the last 12 months. Um, so maybe because like some tools are talking about it and introducing it. And I'm, for example, I'm, I'm a big fan of this because uh, from my time when I worked with Looker setups. And so Looker setups, um, beside some kind of other benefits they had, they always had this a uh, great part where you could have a semantic layer where you define basically the revenue metric where you don't have to discuss it anymore because this is the revenue metric and you just reuse it. And it's such a powerful thing that moving out of this world, so which happened to me is because like you couldn't introduce Looker to any kind or companies because it was just too expensive to do that. And so then going back to this, I don't know, data studios, Power BI's and so on without these kind of well-defined metric layer, was really kind of pain for me because it was really like, oh God, I have to invent anything else. Now it makes a big, big combat, uh, comeback. So it's like, it's tools just doing this. So how do you approach this right now? So it's, um, how can I do this in, in world? How can define some kind of metrics? So is it really like that you already have also like this process behind it that I, what you just mentioned that I can declare ownership and so on. How does it sync out to, to different kind of visualization or other tools where you can use it yeah so the way uh, the way it works is that um each model can can have an, an owner in uh, mm -hmm. in our app and you can then define a metric as an output of of one of your models and then you also have the lineage so you know exactly which models are connected to to each other and also connected to the actual uh, sinks um in the uh, in your data warehouse and from your tools. So that means that not only do you have like, you, you know, you, you, you understand exactly the business definition. You can write that just in like plain text, but you also have the underlying model producing exactly that metric that you could open up. Um, and, and we would know if, if, you know, something is, is, is wrong in terms of uh, whether some of the other connected models that are built as a part of, of producing that final metric uh, uh, fails or 
maybe the data is delayed, right, or something like that. So, so it's sort of a, a mix between just having the, a very clear definition, like this is the model, this is the only place where you can find, you know, if let's just take revenue as an example, this is the revenue, this is where it is. You only define it one place, you have one model, and then obviously like when it comes to building the, the structure in your data warehouse, we have like a standardized way that Weld does this, which is built on top of our learnings and best practices. So you would have these different layers of, you know, raw data or data lake, and then you would have like a staging layer where you clean the data up a little bit more. Um, you would have like a, uh, what, what, we, what we sort of call a single source of truth or like the enterprise data warehouse. It can be called many things, but this would basically be where, where you have all the underlying models that you, uh, or tables that you need to produce just before you produce the final tables. And then you, you would have the marts, which could be the marketing, finance, um, sales, and, and that's where you find the, the, the analytics layer, you could, you could say. Um, but, but the cool thing about, you know, both having this way of organizing it directly in Weld, and you could do all this in our app, and having the metric layer on top is that you can really connect all these things and you can make sure that, that you only have that one specific model for your for your revenue and that every other dashboard or whatever it is will be built on top of that and you know exactly how um, updated or t uh, accurate that uh, that definition is and something we could work on in the future could be things like whether um, you know you could you could imagine that you could actually also um, know something in terms uh, around around the definition itself so so, so you could you could imagine that that the definition could suddenly not hold true anymore if if some other model that feeds into that model changes, right? And so, this this is also things that we are working on. Yeah, which which can cause a lot of pain and trouble. So, I mean, the, yeah, the yeah, easy pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just like you know when you, I I find that to be the the most hard thing is like. I show sales some numbers, right? This is your this is your sales for the previous month, and then every just just this doesn't match. This is not our sales, and I'm just like, and they open up the CRM, right? And you're just like, okay, where do I start? Like, is Damn it, it uh, <laughs> is it the definition? Is it uh, is it is it the chart, the sinks? Is it is it the source system? Like, what what what's going on? And and these are also the things that that we are trying to to uh, to tackle. Yeah, no, this, um, uh, I can, I can really, uh, it's, it's a standard situation that I know pretty well. So often like with marketing where marketing take, uh, puts up and then the good marketing teams even don't look at the conversions because they know, okay, conversions can be modeled in a different way, but they always look on the costs and they say, well, actually we spend this kind of amount, but you telling us we spend this kind of amount can really match up. And so what I do right now is like when we do setups, like, Costs always have to match. So we, this is the first test we put in and the full marketing models. So like that we make sure that throughout the whole pipeline, we are, we are basically developing the costs always add up to the one, which are initially from the platform, because this is the only metric where you can really see if, if like the data is going through all the different transformation kind of the right way, but it's super hard to do. And, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. it is, it is. Um, and, and it's a good idea to have some anomaly detection and 
making sure that 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 you also have some some checks and balances uh, as as a part of uh, uh, yeah as a part of running your your data platform. Many companies opt to do this, like like as you said, by building something on top. But this is also something we are working on implementing a more automated way again, so you, so you can spend time on analyzing the data and getting the insights and not just as I see like having like dashboard rough where you just produce dashboard after dashboard after dashboard or model after model after model but no data what I what what I see many data analysts do where which which is um which can be more or less like voluntary but there's a big there's a big risk that you sort of just become a dashboard maker or, or like a, a, like exactly that like you're just that's what you do and 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 you're just getting told by the business what they need and then you just build it and then and then you you go to the next dashboard which which is kind of where you know you you sort of need to think about level leveling that up a bit because it should actually be in, in my opinion the data analyst that drives that whole process and understands what the business needs and and the problem today as i see it is like the business users and the analysts in the business because it has become so hard to produce data because you need you always need to be an engineer then they end up mo doing most of their work in excel and google sheets and, and and these types of tools and then you have the data engineers that are very very good at you know building the the data stack and making sure that everything works but they don't have the business context so they can build the models but they don't understand the business so so you're sort of left with this sort of you know black hole where where nobody can produce like value where then I, I know that there's this new uh, role called an analytics engineer which would then be like a, a you know a sort of a combination of the two but I also think that's a little bit dangerous because to me, an analytics engineer sounds more as a dashboard maker um, more than anything else. So, and that's coming a bit back to finding those really talented uh, data analysts that can actually combine and bridge that that gap, which is just bigger than it has has uh, has ever been been before. No, hundred percent. And I think this is like maybe one of the major challenges in the in the next years to come is really like to how to find ways to to get data teams in what kind of form into position that they are not just um let's say an opportunity driven um team which is just they have a backlog and they just get tickets in there and they're basically just churning out as you said so churning out dashboard report dashboard report and so in the it cannot create value because um they are not really in in, in this situation so um and I still struggle to see how this can change. I mean, one thing where I'm a little bit optimistic is like this whole notion of data products where you now say, okay, we introduce something like product behavior. And so I, I'm a person coming from product. And so I, I know that you use different kind of processes to, to tackle this. And I can remember some examples where we were sitting down with people and they're saying, yeah, we need this kind of dashboards report, dashboards report, dashboards. And we, in the end, we're asking them, okay, why do you need this? Yeah, because we have to make sure that we don't miss that this stuff goes down. And so we said, yeah, but we can solve this much easier. We just put an alert for you and you get a Slack alert once this goes down. So they said, yeah, you can do this. Yeah, of course we can. It's much easier to create this that kind of dashboard. But it was, 
like this, this taking a step back. And so maybe do you have an idea why it's so hard right now for data teams to just say no to other business teams, which is, I think is most of the time the major struggle to just say, no, we can't do this. Or maybe we cannot introduce this because it will mess up the whole data model. It makes it so complicated that it will blow up at some point in the future. Why is it so hard to say no? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because you, you are, as a data team, you, you, you are supporting function, right? You, you support the, the, the different teams, whether it's product teams or commercial teams or, or, or whatever it is, right? And, and. It, and, and the problem is that if, when these requests come, it's, it's not, it would sometimes be, I remember, you know, I've done a lot of board material also in, in the past, like strategic reporting, it's just like, we have the board meeting tomorrow. Like, it's not that I can, I can say, no, I don't want to produce data for the, for the CEO. Um, but, but there's always a big like commercial especially commercial, but also to, to some extent product, right? But especially commercial, they, they are very, very busy all the time, right? They're busy selling, they're busy producing revenue. They're also busy changing processes and business models, um, which also means that what I can see now um, happening more and more, not only is more data being produced and you have more and more tools, but business models and the, in like the business context in which companies operate also change faster and faster. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's also because you have all these tools and it's so quick, right? You don't need to, you know, you have Salesforce, you can change the process. You know, it's not like in 2000 where you would need to hire a big uh, project team of consultants and wait a couple of years before you had like a, a new, um, a new system, right? Things just change so fast, which also means that the dashboards you create quickly gets outdated. Um, but, but I still think it's important to have that, you know, it, it is what some of the things I, I've been working with in the past could, and I'm also working with, with some of our customers is just to make it very lean and say like, this is the top 10 metrics. Like you don't need anything else, like boil it down to just have one top metric per team and then start tracking those metrics, making sure they are always up to date and just, just say like, this is enough because you can also, sometimes you, you also have just have too many metrics, right? And if you're not even using them, just start with having one that you use, um, whether that's, you know, user retention in your product or it's, um, it, it could be things like, uh, yeah, even like revenue retention, if, if, if it's, if it's more, again, focusing on, on your existing customers, um, you be, would be surprised how few metrics you actually need in order to to run a, a pretty healthy business and definitely a better data-driven business than, than most companies do. So I think it's about, it's about focusing on those metrics. And then I also think it's about the data team having as much context as they need in order for them also to say no on a, on a, on a solid, like with a solid argument, right? That look, this request is, is not really what is the most important right now for us to build. Um, and, 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 and I think that really requires the data team to be working very, very close with, 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 with the stakeholders. And it's a never ending discussion. Do you have the centralized setup with, you know, um, a centralized data team organization, and then they just work on a more like a request basis, 
or do you have a, a fully like federated where you actually have the analysts and maybe even data engineers sitting out and and working in in each team? I, th- mm. I don't think there's any like right or wrong here. I think mm. it depends a lot on your needs and the organization and the maturity. And I think both setups can work. I just think the the most important thing is that you have the business analysts or the product analysts, those that produce the insights, they need to be working in the business because otherwise they can't understand the business. And then that's where I think most companies um, make make mistakes because you have this one data analyst serving the whole organization. And then, then you cannot be both deep within finance, deep within marketing, but then you can ask me, okay, but what do I do? Because I can't hire five data analysts, which is a really good question. So in this case, you would need to maybe have people that are not working 100% of their time with, with data, right? But they are doing the analyst work in the team, maybe half a day a week. And then you have this sort of like a, a small group of people that can actually work with data. And then maybe you have a data engineer that can do some of the more technical stuff. I really like this approach and I, I really made good ex- uh, experiences with that uh, because like uh, you can also like take this approach to basically build this data tribe or data movement within your company because I can definitely assure in every team you find one person at least who wants to do more stuff uh, in an analytical way. So even like in, in teams where you don't expect it that there are people like with it, so you usually find one who said, actually I would like, but I don't really have the, the tooling and so on yet. And yeah. the other thing what I really liked is like that you came up with the define one metric, go down, because this is kind of a common theme. So now like in the episodes I did, I guess everyone at some point came down like, well, let's make it easier. Just make it simple. Just start out simple. Because I think this is often like the, because it's so overwhelming, because it's like also like so promising that you usually overdo what you want to do, but then maybe taking a step back and come down uh, to yeah. one metric. Exactly. And also, uh, I think um, many, uh, many CEOs and business leaders, they are, they they are, they want to be data driven, right? They want to have, um, have a data strategy, but sometimes also overdo it because then they go out and ask each team, Hey, what's your top 20 metrics in the people team? And then they go out and do that for all teams. And suddenly like you have 200 metrics that you need to track. Which is not uh, which is not ideal either. So you can also look look a bit what you can do as as business leaders and making sure that yes, we want to be data driven, but we don't want to do everything at once. It's a little bit the same when you when you do a startup, right? If you're trying to be everything for everyone, you're sort of nothing for 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 no one, basically, right? And I think it's a little bit the same with data. That's that it's 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 being really really good at prioritizing and narrowing down the areas where you want to be data driven and you want it to work and then building incrementally on top of that and not like sort of overdo it and then i think another um thing that i also just want to to mention for for context uh, and and which i also see a lot is you also often confuse business analytics or commercial analytics with with what what we call data engineering, mm. you know. So, and and the thing nowadays is that these two become a little bit, um, uh, you, you could say they, they they merge a little bit in many companies because 
the teams that are doing the actual data engineering work, like making sure that your whole platform is running and data is sort of syncing between your 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 backend um, and maybe even doing some in-app uh, real-time analytics or you know these types of, of of use cases that are more related to 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 the core of, of your product or your service. Um, you know, it could also be Amazon's uh, way of automatically. Um, you know, fulfilling your order, right? There's a lot of data engineering going into that whole process, where where they have a big data engineering team working yep. working on that. That that's that's one area where it can make sense to invest a lot into, for example, more niche best of best of breed tools because you simply need so much complexity at scale, and then and. And then you have like commercial analytics, which is more around metrics and, and reporting and BI. And I also think it's important for 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 any business leader and, and anyone working within data to have a really clear distinction between the two and just be very aware, like who is working on on, on what, and 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 don't mix up, you know, the roadmap for, for for those two teams because it could be different. It could also be that you would actually have a commercial team using Weld, and you would have the data engineering team working with with some more homemade or, or best of breed tools at the same time. As an example, that's a really great example because I never really thought about this, and I would like to take this as some kind of closing words. So it was really great. So you you basically enlightened me today about some interesting thought that I really didn't thought so much about in the past. So for example, this kind of benefit of integrated system, which of course I know, but I never really thought about it in data. This is really interesting. I will definitely have this as a takeaway. And I really like this idea too, um, because this goes down then also like in the data product thing that you have different kind of tracks of data that you can have. So that commercial or marketing or sales team have different needs than, for example, if you build a deep integrated um, data application that basically is driving some kind of automation. And so that it's totally cool to, to, to split this up and to handle this in different ways. I think this is really great. Thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found some stuff that was interesting, maybe even new, maybe trigger some further thoughts um, in your head so that maybe gives you a new perspective on a specific topic. At least this is what I'm always loving about podcasts. So it triggers my brain to do crazy new things and um, I hope you found something interesting um, in this episode as well. So. One important thing, if you have any kind of questions about the tools we are discussing in this podcast, any kind of questions about tracking setups in general, how you should approach a specific kind of problems, or even if you say, I don't have really an idea what kind of tracking setups make sense for my business, for the current situation that it's in, um, just reach out to me. So this is pretty easy. So on the one hand, you can all go over to LinkedIn and you can type in my name you can find me and you can just write me a message that's one way and the other way is like you can also go on our website deepskydata.com and there is um, a, a button um, that you can set up a call so you can click it you can schedule 30 minutes with me and these 30 minutes are always free so um, no obligations it's just like it's 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 not a sales call so it's really like you can put in your question you can put in your problems 
where you're basically stuck. So I can pr present you maybe one or two ideas how I would approach these kind of topics. And that's it. So I'm, I mostly want, really want to help here uh, to, to basically unblock you and give you some new ideas. So uh, if that's something for you, don't hesitate. Just reach out. Um, this will be super fun to do. Um, and I see you in the next episode.